Hi everyone, my name is Chris Posty Posterson, and I am back with another special edition Super Deluxe episode of the Sleep With Me podcast. If I'm not mistaken, I believe this is Super Deluxe number 9. And just in case you're new to these, usually I am behind the scenes helping Scoots with the editing of the Sleep With Me podcast. But every few weeks, he asks me to take a show that we have already aired and add some music and sound effects to it in order to make it a Super Deluxe Special Edition show. We do this as a way to thank those of you who are supporting the show. If you already are, thank you very, very, very much for doing so. If you aren't yet and you'd like to, you can go to sleepwithmepodcast.com support. And that's it. Let's get on with the show. Hi, are you up all night tossing, turning, trouble getting to sleep, trouble falling asleep, wondering what Mr. T's new band sounds like? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me Podcast Super Deluxe Episode number 9. So for tonight's show, I went a little further back into the vault, a few months, and found a show about Mr. T. I was looking online to see what he's up to these days, and it turns out he actually has a new band called the Mr. T Experience. This isn't true, but bear with me. So the Mr. T Experience is Mr. T's new band, and it's uh, an interesting new genre where it's actually just a one-man band, Mr. T. He plays guitar. Uh, the music moves very slowly and the interesting thing is he actually uh, the vocals of the band are he, he puts a Sleep With Me podcast onto his cell phone and sets that at the front of the stage and mics it and then plays guitar behind it so without any further ado I hope this helps you get some sleep welcome to the very first ever live performance by the Mr. T experience. Anyway, I think of those two guys in a similar way. 
he's less uh, rooted in humor, which kind of brings up this whole mystery. Because uh, you have uh, Sasha Baron, Baron Cohen. I guess if you say like Sasha Baron Cohen, that's how you say it, Sasha Baron Cohen. Uh, you gotta say it fast. You know, he has these characters that he does, and he goes all in in the characters. Uh, he makes these characters that are fun, funny, uh, that he's fully immersed in. And, uh, but we know that he, he's kind of behind it, but when he's in the character, he doesn't break character, so you kind of... But it's almost like Sasha Baron Cohen is like a, a magician. And those are kind of his acts, I guess that might be a wrong way of putting it. But it, it, I, don't, I don't know, he becomes those characters, I would say, but we know that there's also a mind and a being and a creator behind those characters, or a force, right? Uh, which makes them all the more impressive, impressive, but with Mr. T. And let me just run through who Mr. T is uh, for everybody. And that I have, like, uh, I don't really know anything. And this is where it gets interesting. It's like, geez, I know very little about Mr. T, the man, including his real name, which I probably has crossed my path once or twice before. And actually, I don't even know you know where Mr. T came from so anyone that has been like uh, under 30 uh, you probably know Mr. T from like commercials and Cloudy with a Chance of Meatball movies where he voiced the uh, security guard character he did a wonderful job at doing that and those are some of the wonderful movies before that yeah, he kind of did some television commercials and I think he had he was he was ill and I think he struggled on and off with uh, some serious illnesses. Uh, and before that, back in the 80s when I was just a tiny, tiny, you know, little lad. I don't know if I, I think this is the first time I was called a little lad. I just called myself, I like that, a little lad. Kind of feel like, oh, because that's why Cersei calls me that, you know. And I say, you know, because she calls uh, Sansa her little bird. Tiny lad, and I say, and I say, okay. And, but that's, you know, that's part of our relationship. The part that, you know, works for me. And I say, well, which part works for you, Scoots? Uh, tell us more. Uh, the part where you have an imaginary relationship with an imaginary character, or the part where she humiliates you? Yes, but, and I say, but, um, oh, all parts. And I say, anyway, can we talk about Mr. T's problems for a minute, please? Or not, uh, not his problems. So, so let me break it down for you, uh, best I can tell you, of my Mr. T timeline. So, it's, uh, I don't know which came first, Rocky or uh, this TV show called The A-Team. But so Mr. T uh, was this... And I guess this is the best context. Now, if I'm insulting any hardcore Mr. T fans, or, you know, heaven forbid, Mr. T listens to this, I'm not trying to insult you or hate on you or anything like that. And you, if you listen to any of these other, any podcast episode I've made, you'll see I'm the buffoon, you know. So you're not the buffoon. This is just my attempt, you know, for the younger people that are listening 
but I think this is a thing of Kashmir, maybe, so I'm not making any definitive statements about you, Mr. T. And you might see that I really have some childhood appreciation, but I would say that this uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, if I could just not butcher his name, Sasha Baron Cohen, Sasha Baron Cohen, Maybe I'm like in some fugue state and I'm totally messing his name up 100%. Uh, but I don't know if Mr. T ever breaks character. So he, I may be wrong, is what I'm saying. But I think if you're trying to wrap your mind around who Mr. T is, just imagine if Sasha Baron Cohen uh, would never broke one of his characters. Which would be tough because Mr. T's character is a little bit more likable. I would say Ali G. G would even have trouble being as mainstream as Mr. T, but Borat would probably not, and I haven't seen Grimsby, or Gr Grimsby yet, so I don't know about that character, but let's just say, let's just say Ali G was who Sasha Baron Cohen, he never, and you see, he can't really be like that, you know, and then maybe he even played Borat, and then he went back to Ali G, I don't know if that would work either now, but you'd say, is that guy for real, that LEG guy? And, and let's say he was like a softer uh, version of LEG. You just wonder, and you'd be like, well, geez, what does that guy do on the weekends when he's not LEG? Is he LEG 24-7 like that? Because that seems exhausting. And I think I'm making this even more confusing, but I guess that's a good way to go to sleep, right? Uh, so anyway, if, you, if, if that didn't lose you, and, I, you know, I say, good thing I don't write the SATs. I think I said that recently in another episode, right? You know, for your final English essay, explain what would happen if uh, L.E.G. was Sasha Baron Cohen. You know, and also correct, you know, any mistakes I've made with the beginning of the show. But so, Mr. T, as far as I know, I don't know what pre- my awareness of him, he, he kind of burst into my awareness, and again, I'm not sure which was, but he's this, he's this very muscular African-American man with the mohawk, and he had this very gruff attitude, and he had a, I guess like a go, is that a goatee head or a beard, I guess he maybe had a beard, and he was on this TV show called The A-Team, and he was also in one of the Rocky movies, um, one of the middle Rocky movies before he fought the Russian guy, and but but before but so but, but whenever that was, so I don't know which came first, Rocky or the A Team, or they came together. But even in Rocky, on the A Team, and in public appearances, he was the same person, even though he had three different names. Uh, so, so as far as like the legal business is concerned, or like his this uh, official name, he was Mr. T. And then on uh, the A-Team, which I could go into, his name was B.A. Baracus. And B.A. stood for badass, as far as I know, or bad attitude. Actually, it stood for bad attitude. You know, because this was in the uh, 80s when you couldn't say anything. So badass would die. But, but, you know, you could figure it out. Because uh, he was a badass and he had a bad attitude. And then in the Rocky movie, I can't remember his name, it'll probably come to me. 
We essentially played the same character. He played Mr. T, B.A. Baragas, and the character in Rocky, they were the same. A badass with a bad attitude. And a heart of gold. Like, he was seriously cast. Again, I don't want to say anything controversial, but I wonder if Michael Eisner was behind all this. Like, this was, uh... Is anyone... Okay, another question that was never answered. Were Michael Eisner and Bette Midler ever married? I don't think I ever got an answer from them for about that. Because uh, Michael Eisner, he was big in the Disney Corporation, but he had this term synergy, and, and Mr. T, again, no offense to anybody, almost seemed like a piece of synergy in some sense, because he was a badass with a bad attitude. He was funny, and he had a heart of gold. Or never forget it, the heart of gold is important. And uh, I guess that's why you can stay in character to go back to Ali G. Uh, and Mr. T would only be the foil, not out of uh, ignorance or... Uh, I, I guess, yeah, Mr. T, I don't know if he actually had, so, like... He, didn't, he definitely didn't suffer from a lack of self-awareness. There wouldn't be any jokes about that. Where Ali G or Borat, you know, they kind of have this... Uh, they have differing types of uh, lack of self-awareness that trigger some of the jokes and the humor. Part of what makes that work is that you say, well, geez, there's this guy doing, you know, where Mr. T, I guess he's like, oh, no, this is a real guy. Well, I, I guess I never understood that part. I mean, he was perfect for the 80s and perfect for how old I was, like, uh, and so he was this, he became hugely famous as far as I could do, at least to me, in my mind, it was like Mr. T was probably... I don't even know what popular people, other people there were around. There was like Johnny Carson, but I didn't know, I just knew who he was. I never seen his show. You know, there was Mr. T. Uh, and there were some other people. But, uh, so Mr. T was, so he was on the show A-Team. Now let me tell you about the A-Team. Because they remade it into a movie, and I'm still upset about this. I don't go on many tirades, but and I've gone on this on the show before. But I feel like they, and they, I know they use this very popular MMA uh, fighter uh, to replace Mr. T on the movie The A-Team. But I still don't understand why they didn't hire Ice Cube uh, to play. That would have been the, the best casting because he's got this comedic... I just don't get it. Like, that just seemed to me... Like, if you're gonna reboot it, and, and, and it's because they had, uh, Bradley Cooper, you know, so they had some star power, so it would have been nice, especially to see Brad, Bradley Cooper and Ice Cube together. You know, as soon as I heard that A-Team reboot, I was like, okay, that's who's playing, that's the only person that could play, uh, B.A. Baracus, other than Mr. T, is Ice Cube. And that's really the only other person that should have even attempted it, and he would have been really good, and he would have brought his own, like he would have reinvented B.A. Baracus. Uh, but tirade over, you know, because I don't make movies, so, you know, and I've been, you know, they say, they actually, they just tell, at Bakersfield, they ask me, they say, please don't go any further south, Scooter. And then at the, the Tehan Pass, or whatever the heck it's called, they just do, they, they have a weather machine there, in case anybody doesn't know about it. And it's related to my GPS, so they just shut that down, Tehan, or whatever it's called. Uh, that's like this, um, 
these hills, you know, this mountain pass you got to go over to get from the Bay Area. You drive through the Central Valley, and then you go over this last set of mountain. And they're, they're not really mountains. They're just really steep hills. And now the mountain pass is going to be angry at me, too. But uh, uh, in order to get into the valley, to get into Los Angeles... But so anyway, I didn't think this would become an A-team critic cast, but it just it really drives me batty thinking about missed chances, because I really think, uh, I mean, excuse to prove again and again that he is a uh, movie star. Oh, this, also this podcast is sponsored by Ice Cube Incorporated. Uh, get your stocks in uh, Ice Cube today. No, it's not. It's, I, I would, I would take that as a spot. I mean, and, uh, not you know, only him, you know, not some corporation, you know, doing that. But so, okay. Anyway, back to back to my uh, under thirty-five group here. That may, may you know, I know, I know you're sitting on the edge of your bed here. Okay, Scoots, tell us more. Are you gonna go on another? Okay, well, yeah. Like, so there's a show A Team. And it was a, now back in the 80s, they had this genre TV, because again, and again, I do just, we just had the passing of Nancy Reagan and, and Ronnie and stuff. But there was this like Wonder Bread, America was going through this Wonder Bread phase uh, where things were very sanitized and, well, I mean, I'd say white, and I mean, we're still kind of going through that and, and like, Everything is, you know, packs full, full of vitamins. You know, that's as metaphorical as I get around it. But so t- TV was very, um, they were doing the best they could on the creative side, I'm sure. But it was uh, not a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff allowed on TV. Uh, so the A-Team was like the genre of show. Like, I think Miami Vice would be the pinnacle of the, that, that genre. And A-Team would be... I mean, for a kid, I was just a little kid. It was the greatest show ever made. It was like an action show. It was a procedural show, which I mean by procedural, let's say these Law and Order style NCIS shows uh, where the episode starts with a problem and the rest of the episode is figuring out how we're going to fix the problem. Usually it's a mystery-based problem or you know, it has a series of change-arounds. So the A-Team, they were a team of crack Vietnam vets forced to live in hiding because they were such do-gooders, you know, and the government didn't like that stuff. Uh, soldiers of Fortune, you know, if you, whatever, I can't, I'm not good at remembering stuff, but it was like, if, you need, if you're ever in trouble and you need to, maybe you could find them, the A-Team. And they would come to your rescue, like if your town got taken over by bikers. I think that happened a few times on the A-team. Or, you know, you were... Sometimes it was somewhat political. You know, if you were, your farm got taken over by a baron, you know, a third-world baron, and, you know... I'm trying to think any other plots. I think those are the two... I'm trying to think, you know, if you were a factory got taken, you know, stuff like that, the A-team would come in and they would dismantle... They'd say, hey, this needs to stop, you know. And so Mr. T, B.A. Brackus, he was the one of the essential, he, he, they had a sweet van, which he drove most of the time. So the team, the A-team was uh, B.A. Brackus, uh, Colonel something, who 
was their leader, uh, and he was like kind of the, he was like a little bit of a wise guy. Uh, I don't know. He was. The, he, I wouldn't say he was the brains, but I guess he kind of was. Uh, then they had this guy Face, who was played. He was the one who Bradley Cooper played in the movie, and he was a good-looking guy. He was the salesman, a chameleon. You know, he would do a lot of. You know, pretending going to roll. You know, he played like a little bit of a Harrison Ford uh, trickster hero. Then you had Murdoch, who was like him and Mr. T and Murdoch were like the two. They were best friends, total opposites, best friends that hated each other. And Murdoch was the weird guy. Maybe he'd do the do this podcast. You know, I'm like the Murdoch of podcasting, and I ain't talking about Rupert. Um, but. And he was like, he, he, he could, he was like kind of brave, like he was super intelligent and not smart at all. So he'd be in charge of figuring out, you know, the obscure things or making a helicopter out of a bicycle. And then, but then Mr. T, he had, he was like the engineer also. He had the mechanical knowledge. So he would be the one that built the actual, like Murdoch might come up with the idea. Mr. T would tweak it, and Mr. T would build the uh, helicopter out of, you know, bicycle parts. And then Murdoch would, get, you know, crash into a chicken coop. The chickens would fly in the face of the, uh, whatever, the, the evil, far, you know, the farm, farm overlord. And it would end up using, you know, that he was allergic to chicken feathers or something, you know. Or Murdoch would show, or his face would go in and say, I'm a chicken, you know, I'm here to buy this land, I'm with the Purdue Chicken Corporation. So they were a team that would solve problems. Sometimes there'd be action sequences, but in the, like, even as a kid, I knew, I was like, man, these, what, what? You know, because they might, it just was just, just kind of action. It was, you know, homogenized action, I guess. It was action of the times, and it was also the time slot. I think it was on at 9, 8 or 9 p.m. Actually, it was, I'm pretty sure it was on at 8 p.m. So, I mean, talk about a parent's worst nightmare, having a house full of five boys, my mom, and then having us watch the A-Team, and then we'd have to go to bed. Holy mackerel, that must have been terrible. I feel bad for her. You know, because we'd be probably re I'd be like doing barrel rolls, and that's like the A-Team's right, like where I learned that even if you get in a fender bender, dive out of the car immediately. Uh, don't do that, by the way, I was wrong. Uh, because the car's about to go up. Uh, so, so they, that was the A-Team, and they just, I know I talked about this a long time ago, but they, that was like this, it was a dream of me, of me as a boy. Because it was like, a, I don't know what night of the week it was, but it was like action night. I don't know if it was Friday, Saturday, Thursday night. Uh, but it was like, holy cow, this A-Team is so good. Uh, but then there was a show on after it for a while called Riptide, which was essentially the same show, but with two good-looking guys and then kind of a nerdy guy who had a robot. Which I loved that show, but I could only, bear, you know, I, could, I would have to like... Uh, Hopefully my mom will watch it. I could hide behind the couch and watch that. And then after that, was a great show called Remington Steel, which Pierce Brosnan was on. 
where he paid, played like a kind of private eye, I think I barely ever watched that show because that was like on at 10 o'clock at night, which for me was like one in the morning. Uh, but I think that was like one where it was like Peter Sprasnan. You know, there's a lot of shows like that where he was paired with a... Those shows were probably steeped in misogyny too. I mean, I'm not trying to be... I'm just saying like uh, the times have changed a lot, you know. Uh, but maybe not because I wasn't awake, you know. But so, yeah, in this Riptide show, I, I really liked that right because I only saw it a few times. Uh, there was also a show on called Hunter, which I think might have been, I don't know if that was on the same, you know, they did replace one of the other shows. Uh, but that show featured an ex-football player uh, who was like a private detective or an investigator. Uh, similar, you know, procedural. He, he didn't like following the rules, and he was tough. And I think I was in love with his partner, but I can't, I can't be 100% sure. Uh, I, can't, I can't remember which show. They say, I love it when a plan goes together. I think that was the guy on the A-team. I think Hunter had his own catchphrase, though, too. And again, I don't know how old I was watching this, like, seven years. I have no idea. Maybe, maybe, maybe even in reruns. But I know I watched A-Team when it was on the air. So that was Mr. T. He played B.A. Baracus on a show, but, but Heart of Gold, because like, he was best friends with Murdoch. If anyone bullied Murdoch, you know, Mr. T would get him. Any scenes with kids, they always related to Mr. T. You know, anything with saving animals or kids, Mr. T did that. Uh, his mohawk, I always, as a kid, would, they would fantasize about touching it, you know. It just looked very touchable. And he would say, I pity the fool. I pity the fool. And he would always get mad at Murdoch, and he'd say, keep talking, you know. So he had that show, and he, I think he was like a regular on the, the, the TV show circuits and the game shows, but he was always in character. And part of his character was he like wore a lot of gold chains, and he would, he, he always he never had sleeves because he had huge biceps and huge arms. Uh, but he never broke character. It wasn't like, a, and I guess I, I respect. I mean, I, no, I guess it makes me very curious, but. Uh, but it worked, you know, and especially at the time, it was like, uh, and I don't know, I guess people, I wonder if people wondered at the time, was there like articles, is this Mr. T, you know, Mr. T, are you kidding me with this, right? I, I pay the fool to ask me, you know, or somebody just goes, well, what are you doing, what are you doing later, are you going to be still acting like this later? Uh, but he was a very, he was very, very good. I mean, if, if it was just a, a role, he was inhibiting, in, inhabiting, uh, inhibiting. That doesn't make any sense, but uh, he did a great job. And if it was just really him being himself, uh, he did a great job. But he was so popular that at one point he had a, he had a, he had a TV show, like a Saturday morning cartoon. Best I can remember the cartoon uh, was that he he was a procedural cartoon, but instead of being in charge of the A team, he was Mr. T, and I'm pretty sure he was like in charge of a team of gymnastics kids, like he was like their gymnastics coach, and 
and I'm not trying to be funny. I think he would wear like a red track suit uh, as a cartoon. And, and then he had a kid, there was like a red-headed kid that was obsessed with him. That, that like, kind of, he had a mohawk and he, he wanted to be Mr. T. And then the red-headed kid had a dog that had a mohawk that wanted to be Mr. T. And so there's always humor around that. I don't remember anything about the cartoon. I know I probably watched it, but... And then they also had a cereal, which was... And this is not... sound. This might, you know, sound un-Mr. T-like, but it was, it was Captain Crunch ripoff. It was just Mr. T. And I think it was probably T's and M's and maybe R's. Uh, but it was Captain Crunch. No offense, Mr. T. But I think it was just, you know... As a matter of fact, Allie G's people, you know, Sasha Baron Cohen Enterprises, you know, Allie, you know, we could do that with that. But again, I guess it's say, well, that's too, you know, I say, well, only Allie G would win, only Scooter and Allie G would want Allie G cereal. And I would say, it's probably good because I can't get it, I haven't had Captain Crunch in a long time, but I can never get it out of my teeth anyway, so, yeah, probably don't do it. Because I'm like, okay, so to make sure the cartoon, it was like Mr. T and the teen T, you know. And it was a little bit like a Scooby-Doo thing where they would go to a competition. And I don't know how people would get a hold of them. You know, but they would use it. And it was probably like a similar team to like, uh, you know, Scooby-Doo. Like it had the lead male and female and then, you know, their sidekicks and the red-headed kid and the dog, and then Mr. T, and I don't want to sound controversial, but who the hell would let their kids drive around in a, a van with Mr. T, uh, if he wasn't Mr. T, like if he was their coach, it'd be like, they, like okay, so you're going to drive across the country in a van with that guy, like he just seems a little unstable, honey, he's got a mohawk. He's the best gymnastics teacher ever. I mean, especially in the 80s, like, people wouldn't even let their kids, you know, people... It was like, that's when trick-or-treating got a bad name in the 80s, so I don't know. But it was a cartoon, so I guess they say relax, Scoots, it was a cartoon. Uh, but he's like, oh, like, uh, what would a flop be of that, like... It's like the kid, the kid kind of was like, he reminded me of that kid, he was like a Nickelodeon star for a while. Like, salute your shorts, that kid with the red hair. I don't know if it's the same kid or not, but that reminds me of Conan O'Brien. So we can imagine that kid was Conan and the dog was McGregor. And then like it was, geez, they were going to some town and they got into town and they heard about, uh, like they went into the men's locker room, Conan and McGregor, you know, because they're always behind, because maybe they're, you know, the rest of the team is too hip for them, and then they see a tired honeybee, and they say, hey, we're going to give you a drink and take you back outside, you don't belong in the locker room, bee. And then, you know, the, the bee tries to tell McGregor to talk to the dog, like at first there's a comic scene where the bee lands on the dog, McGregor, and then they say, well, Jill, no, you know, and then everybody laughs. And it probably breaks this as a trophy for the big gymnastics tournament. 
So everybody's mad at uh, Conan. And then he goes back in the locker room, and then he's whatever he gave the honeybee to drink, he forgot to put that in the sink, so everybody's so annoying. And then, you know, even the team's mad at them, and because him and his dog look alike, they call them the twins, and they're like, these twins are the most annoying people in the world. And, you know, then he's trying, he's saying, I think I have a case, and he says, you know, this town's missing all its honeybees. They say, you're just trying to cover up for, you know, breaking the trophy. Nice shot, you know, way to go. They say, no, no, I'm not trying to do it. Like, I really think... They say, well, who cares about honeybees? And they say, well, you know, 20 or 30 years from now, you'll care. Actually, no, they won't care, you know. All the honeybees will die off and everyone will still be like, uh, what, what, what honeybees? Uh, but he, he just keeps trying, and then, you know... tries to boost his self-esteem because he thinks he's nervous about the big whatever I don't know what this guy's on you know palm horse or rings or springboard or the freaking floor routine but you know he, he sees uh, Mr. T try he gives him a life lesson commercial break then the kid ends up winning and then that's it, like, uh, he kind of forgets because he gets a little boost and his team boosts him during, like, it was like a close match. Even the dog barks and the kid's, like, up again. He's, you know, he's moved back into the, he's accepted back into the group. Mr. T's like, I want you to cheer on, you know, then it's, of course, it's the handsome guy that's going to win it all, the whole tournament. Maybe the handsome guy, he had, you know, something happen at home that he's trying to get over. And then everyone's gathered around, and, and maybe the kid, kid Conan's in charge of, like, uh, chalking his arms or something. And yeah, like, this kid can't go on the rings without the, you know, someone... It's like the rules that his hands gotta get chalked by somebody else, or they gotta have their own chalk. And then he's do, he's getting ready to chalk, and then he sees a bumblebee he's carrying like a sub out the window, and he's yelling, and no one's believing him, and it's like a you know a missing submarine or something, and he, you know he can't even believe his eyes, but no one will listen, you know, and he's like, come on, come on, there's a submarine outside, and he gets DQ'd because he didn't have the chalk. The team, Mr. T team, loses his tournament. Even Mr. T loses his cool. 
like not too much, but he says, you know, Conan McGregor, uh, where were you? I said, and he says, there's a submarine being carried by bumblebees, you know, outside. And everyone's, you know, knocking the kid. And, and then actually probably the good looking guy, you know, he's crushed within something. Like he's of course gotta be the most sympathetic one or something. And he says, did you say Bumblebees were carrying a giant submarine outside the window? And then the, he goes to wipe the kid's tear. And then in the tear, he sees a reflection of, you know, and he says, wait a second, you're right. And then they run out, and then that's it, like, they see it. And then they got to get in the van, and Mr. T's like, we got to stop this. He goes, is this submarine kidnapping the bees? Is the bees kidnapping the submarine? So then they get in the van, and then they realize it's, uh, and now this is not, uh, this is out of their universe, but it, this obviously is some sort of, uh, you know, the beasts are being hypnotized by some sub-based weapon, but someone's trying to steal the submarine. They've like, uh, you know, they're using some sort of, they've adjusted the sonar to some B level to get the beast to carry the sonar, just so you know, you know that. So you don't think it's ridiculous that the beast can, because they could do that, you know. I mean, not anymore because we don't have enough bees, but back in the 80s, this was kind of stuff was happening all the time. No one talked about it. Obviously, no one believed it until Mr. T took up the issue. Uh, but so they're flying with the sub, and then there's like jump in, and then they have to do some move that they had been working on at the pre, right at the start of the episode, this move they couldn't get right, this gymnastics move. Uh, that relies on Conan and McGregor and of course you know the handsome guy of course and then the handsome guy realized that he has to trust and Mr. you know everyone said oh we needed to trust you and he says yeah we, this is how we'll do the move this way and then somehow you know Mr. T has to handle the adult stuff so somehow they fling Mr. T up into the sub by using their team swing or something and Mr. usually this part, you know, is handled pretty quick. You know, Mr. T gets in, he says, oh, Mr. Roboto, what are you doing? And he says, oh, Mr. T, you've got me again. I'm, you know, bringing this up for the Russians. And he says, I can't believe, why are you stealing a sub for the Russians? He goes, well, we need a sub also. You know, we know that in the future, Harper release, the state will no longer allow publication in expensive paperback books. Uh, killed a mockingbird, so you know we know you're already ignorant, but we want to make you more ignorant, so we're stealing all the copies now. And then Mr. T says, You're gonna take away, kill a mockingbird at an affordable price from our school so we can be fleeced once Harper really passes from this world. And then Mr. Roboto, you know, cackles. You know, Mr. T doesn't have to do much, he takes the robot out. And then again, maybe there's not this kind of d d double climax, but maybe, you know, that was part of the... So then maybe something goes wrong, yeah. Like, uh, now Mr. Robot, you know, then the thing starts fuzzing out, it's still above the city. No, it probably better be above the gymnasium with all the kids. And Mr. T, no one could figure out what was controlling the bees. And then the kid realizes he had left the, he says, you know, so the bees are like about to drop the sub. 
So then the kid, Conan and McGregor, McGregor barks, and then they run over, they see the bee that he had saved, and nurse back to health outside the men's locker room. And he says, McGregor, tell him we need him to talk to the bees, you know. And then they go, and then he tells all the bees to just set the sub down back in the water. And, you know, of course, that could have been the other thing is that he claimed that his dog, they could have been in the van ride across country that he says, you know, McGregor can talk to the birds and the bees. And that could be easy to Mr. B's and Mr. T, because your parents told me no talk about the birds and the bees in this van, uh, which you better believe they would have. But so then, you know, his bee goes and talks. Then it's sad because he has to say goodbye to the bee. You know, but they set the sub down. Police come get Mr. Roboto. You know, give the, and then they, you know, they piece together trophy. And the other team says, well, you should take this trophy for saving us all from that submarine and the bees. And they give it to the kid, Conan. You know, and that's it. And then the Mr. T says, all right, we got to get back in the van and, you know, whatever, go home or go to the next tournament. And then usually there'd be one more break, I think, and then Mr. T and the kid would say, well, geez, I think there was like the, the life lesson, you know, reanalysis or like, and that's a good thing, you know. And that was, I guess, another thing of Mr. T. I mean, I guess I didn't realize this till now. He was like a big with Nancy Reagan and saying, don't do drugs. I had totally forgotten that till just now. So maybe they like tarnished him a little bit, but it, but, but it was true to his character. So it shouldn't, you know, in a jaded person like me, uh, but that was true to his character too. They have the show say, well, let's talk about some life lessons on the closeout here. So then they would talk about what they learned and then there'd be a joke like, uh, and I also learned that uh, McGregor could talk to bees and then you know, say, hey, no talking about the bird, you know, something, one more joke. And it would be like, and everyone needs to listen, kids and adults together. So have a sit down with your parents, you know, and talk about stuff over a bowl of Mr. T's cereal. So, that, I mean, that's basically um, what, what Mr. T makes me think of, you know, is that anything that's a good way to like, end it out, because he really was. He really, I guess uh, this was an exploration because for me and now I'm like, oh wait, no. He was always doing a little bit more uh, to show that he cared. He, that, so it wasn't like he was synergistically created. I think Mr. T and I think his presence at Nancy Reagan's funeral proves that he really does have a heart of gold, a huge, huge heart. And that's probably why he was, you know, so beloved and part of why he, he had such a great popularity was because he went this extra step and, and, and seemed to care. And, and I guess so then it kind of it says, well, geez, I don't know if he was, if this was a character or a person or not, it doesn't really matter, you know. Because uh, he was doing the, you know, just like all of us, he's doing the best he could, but he did pretty darn good. You know, and he never got credit for de defeating Roboto. I guess he didn't def defeat Harper, the Harper Lee estate, you know, allegedly. You know, geez, don't come after this podcast, you greedy punks. Uh, you know, please don't. 
Um, yeah, so it's just, she said, with Emmy, that'd be the next episode. <laughs> Holy God, you better have no money, so please, please don't come after me. Uh, but maybe Mr. T could go after them to save a mockingbird. Mr. T and the gymnastic kids, part two. Coming, you know, won't be, it'll be coming to a court near you. Very right, good night.